You don't get it, son. This isn't a mud hole. It's an operating table. And I'm the surgeon. in broad daylight. I know why you're afraid to go out at night. The Batman. See, Batman had shown Gotham the true colors, unfortunately. He's strong, but some clown who thinks he's Batman. I am Batman! Where's the other guard? He's inside watching you, sir. Hell of a night out there, Doc. Hell's in here. Mr. Dent? Counselor? Harvey? Two-Face? Citizens of Gotham, welcome back to The Eternal Night, a podcast dedicated to the world's greatest detective, the dark knight of the DC Universe, Batman. I am, of course, one of your longtime co-hosts. My name is Philip Barker, and I am joined once again by my heroic co-host, Mr. Craig Blaylock. Mr. Craig, how are you doing today? The bat must die. Very fitting. Very mm-hmm. apt. Very fitting. So you want the Batman to die. That's how you're feeling right now. That's 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 what I'm getting <laughs> here. I mean, if... Twitter has anything to say about it. I feel like that's being safe for another conversation. Mm-hmm. We will we'll get, get into, into that. that. <laughs> Jinx, you owe me a soda, but let's just get the plugs out of the way. As you all know, this is this is the Eternal Night. You guys can follow us on Twitter. Well, 
I don't know for how much longer on Twitter, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Instagram, just search T E K underscore podcast. You can also listen to us on Podbean or wherever your podcast fix is most likely Apple podcast, iTunes, Google podcast, or anywhere else that we have. We are linked up to, I think we're on iHeartRadio. Yeah, that sounds about right. I don't know. I don't, I'm going to have to look at that again. I think I've said that before <laughs> on a previous episode and I still never bothered to do it. And then when I did it, I was like, Oh, <laughs> we are. Okay, cool. So yeah. Yeah. That's right. We're back in the cave, and I'm feeling pretty giddy to talk about what we're going to talk about today. We got a couple things on the docket for this episode, as well as well. Let's just let's just give the listeners a little bit of um, insight into to our, our schedule now. So we, Craig and I have finally kind of hopefully hammered down a solid release schedule, and we're going to try and make this bi-weekly, maybe even weekly, depending on how things do shake out. But yeah, we're gonna tr- we're gonna we're on a bit more of a consistent basis now and we have things that we will talk about uh matter of fact this episode will be about the red book edition of batman forever uh famously directed by joel schumacher but this is a fan edited cut of the movie and it is inclusive of certain aspects that are in the schumacher cut as well and the schumacher cut of batman forever has been a very pertinent point of conversation lately given kevin smith and his co-host mark bernardin talked about it on their sh- June 19th Fat Man Beyond episode. And they, matter of fact, Kevin Smith will be showcasing it, I believe, as of this recording today uh, at his Smodcast Theater, as well as in August um, after certain events pertaining to his library of Viewsk Universe stuff. So when Craig and I decided to do this, I, 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 I don't, I, honestly, it was just kind of a thing that happened at a perfect time. Um, mm-hmm. after doing an episode with the DC Unlimited guys, which once again, thank you very much, Chris Anthony and Phil Walsh for having me on to talk about The Flash. It was a blast getting to be able to talk with them through that film as well as a few other people throughout other various news outlets because I've been on the Four Nerds, I've been on the Vodka Stream, we've all been talking about The Flash, various other pop culture things in the in, in the vast nerdness that we explore on a daily basis. So, um when when I decided to do this, I felt like it was going to be, at least the intent to me felt like if, if this is the closest thing we're going to get to potentially seeing the Schumacher cut before a potential release, if Warner Brothers ever does decide to release this cut of the movie, although given the current state of things and who's in charge, I don't really see that as a immediate yeah. possibility. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I don't know. I feel like let's just dial it back real quick. Kevin Smith didn't get this from somebody at WB. He actually got this from a from a from a dude named Joe Black and it's on a flash drive and it's it's the Schumacher cut and it's got a, it's it's 170 minutes. It's a bit longer from what I understand. And hmm. there are certain differences in the Schumacher cut and there are some some of those differences that are reflective here in, in the Red Book edition, but not all of them are present. And I and I think uh, Craig and I are going to go through them piece by piece, as piece you know as piece by piece as we can. But I would like to get Craig's initial thoughts on Batman Forever, the movie, as well as the Red Book edition after having seen this. So, what is your familiarity with Batman Forever, and how far back does that go with you? I know we've talked about the movie here and there on our show, but I don't think we've ever done like a, an explorative deep dive on, on this film in general. I mean, Batman forever for me is personally, it's a, if I had to say, I think it might actually be my second favorite Batman movie just because after the it Batman? was the, 
after, after the, Batman. the Batman. Wow. Okay, that's a tall mm-hmm. order. Yeah, I. It's just there's something about this film, and again, I think a lot of it is nostalgia. I grew up with it. It was the first live action Batman movie I ever saw in theaters, mm-hmm. so it immediately just tickles me there. And I actually, especially now after rewatch or watching it and then watching the Red Book edition, I really, really like Val Kilmer as Batman. I like him as Bruce and I like him as Batman. Um, and yes, is it campy? Yes. Is it goofy? Absolutely. You have Jim Carrey as the Riddler, for God's sake. Um, and Tommy Lee Jones and his interpretation of Two-Face we all i mean i there's that famous thing with him telling uh i think it was like in an interview where jim carrey said that i guess uh tommy lee jones just like couldn't stand him on the set i think and I th- yeah i know what you're talking about jim carrey and him met up well they didn't meet up but they they ran into each other sometime after the production of batman forever and he went to like jim carrey went to say hi give him a hug or something and tommy lee jones like pulled him in and said something to the effect of i cannot sanction your buffoonery yeah so it's like but it's funny hearing that when his two-face was so over the top with his giggles and his <laughs> and his honks and everything mm-hmm. so it's funny to have him say that to jim carrey when in my opinion he was as much over the top as jim carrey was so and that's the thing right like the red book edition d- kind of it dials two-face back just a, a smidge here and there only slightly, in Only my slightly. opinion. Very it's, slightly. It's, it's subtle, but there are there are a few differences with his. Yes. Um, but yeah, Batman Forever for me, and I really, here after watching the Red Book edition, it just further cements, I really, really love the theme of Batman Forever, the theme song. The Golden Fall theme. Yes. Yes. I don't know what it is about it, man. That thing is so infectious. After I got done watching the Red Book edition... That theme was just playing him. I'm sitting there playing Final Fantasy 16, and all I've got is the Batman Forever theme playing through my head the whole time. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I I really do like this movie. Um, does it have its flaws? Of course. But, man, it's it's just fun. I, I have so much fun. It, it had been a long time. It's probably been about 10 years or so since I'd last seen it. So mm. watching it again... It's just so funny. It's been so long, and yet here I was. I remember that scene. I remember that scene. I'm remembering every single little quote. Um, yeah, I, I really, really love Batman Forever. So we both have the Batman as number one, but my number two is still Batman Returns, followed by The Dark Knight and Batman Begins. I have Batman Forever at number five of my solo Batman films, and that's only just pertaining to live action. Um, yeah, and I, I think that's totally, yeah. I totally honestly, after... That. After the Red Book edition, I might even swap it to four. I, I don't mm-hmm. because me and Batman Forever, we go back. It's a similar kind of similar idea. You know, I, I grew up with this film. It was the first Batman movie I ever saw in a movie theater. I know you saw Mask of the Phantasm, but this was this was my first, you know, between this and Batman the Animated Series, this was this was my introduction to the character. And so yeah. seeing this film at such a young age, three years old, literally. So I, I what what went into my parents' thought process to bring a three year old to this movie <laughs> is beyond me, but I'm glad they did because I I do yeah, adore youngin. this movie. Yeah, yeah, I know I'm showing my age there a little bit, <laughs> but uh, 
Yeah, this movie and me go way back. I remember having a lot of the toys. I distinctly remember having not only the Batcave, but I also had the interchangeable three-piece um, Batmobile, Batwing, Batboat. That yep. right, it was either Kenner or Mattel, one of them. But I had that 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 interchangeable one that could turn between the Batmobile, the Batwing, and the Batboat. Because if you take out, if you, they had like an insertion piece for the boat and the Batmobile, but then if you took it out, there was there were wing attachments too. I also distinctly had the Robin action figure which if you if you know the history behind that it's actually marlon wayne's not not chris o'donnell as the as the mold <laughs> that's why the hair <laughs> looks a little different um but the, the color scheme is still from from batman forever now getting back into the red book edition and even just over the years i still remember just watching this movie gradually growing up and being more of a fan of it than you know batman 89 and even you know i think return still to me will always be like my my personal favorite of like of the four but i will say after it came out on vhs i distinctly i watched batman forever more than any other batman film on vhs yeah i I I played that thing over and over and over again yeah i think i watched i liked batman returns more i think batman returns is the better batman movie but i think i watched batman forever the most between batman forever and batman and robin especially growing up because i was just a fan of chris o'donnell as robin uh the i even from a younger age i always was able to understand that that val kilmer was in that movie and george clooney was in that movie and i always preferred val kilmer over george clooney because i thought val kilmer was just an incredible bruce wayne and batman and i think this cut even further solidifies that. And yes. I would, I, I would imagine that the Schumacher cut would even amplify that even more. Yep. Now, coming into this version of the movie, I was curious. I It was it was given to me by, by a good friend of mine, and um, I, I will just say thanks. I'm not going to reveal who because, you know, I just don't do that. But it was given to me, and I remember watching it just a few days ago, and I remember talking to you guys, you and Terrence, and telling you how different it was, and also Chris Balga. I talked to Chris Balga when I was watching it as well, and giving him updates of the things that were different. And um, to kind of go into it, the, re- the the Red Book edition opens up similarly to the Schumacher cut, but the difference is where the end of Two Faces Escape goes into as far as editing goes. So in the Schumacher cut, the film opens up, and and of course in the Red Book edition, there's an original alternate opening with Dr. Mm -hmm. Burton and he's walking through Arkham Asylum and the film doesn't open up with just the title logos and all that like it does in the the theatrical cut and the cut that we're all familiar with no it opens up with Dr. Burton walking through Arkham and he has a conversation with the guard card says something like hell of a night doctor and doctor retorts with well no hell is here Mm -hmm. yeah I like that line it was good it was a good line and I I'm I'm kind of I actually like this opening opposite me to, too to it what, immediately sets the tone absolutely 100 percent. and it it's a drastic departure from should i get your sand can i prepare a sandwich yeah. for you sir like it's <laughs> yeah you can see the intent there where yeah. where, where schumacher yeah. was going with with this film initially before warner brothers was like no we got to make happy meals remember and it literally yeah. they decided to open the movie up with a drive-through joke yep literally reinforcing that but this opening you know burton walks into to dent's cell and he's asking for Harvey, 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 Two-Face, Two-Face. And then, you know, he taps per- the person on the shoulder. But then that person gets, like, strangled by the ceiling fan. And, and then, you know, you see, yeah. like, a hole in where you would imagine a window would be. And then on the wall, Burton, like, Dr. Burton, like, jumps and gasps. And he sees, like, the bat must die written in blood. Now, 
the Red Book edition that Craig and I watched, it cuts to the Batmobile taking off from the Batcave. In the Schumacher cut, the scene then transitions to Bruce Wayne arriving at Wayne Enterprises where Edward Nagma took the chance to introduce himself. That's where the film initially begins for the Schumacher cut. Yeah, because if I remember right, I think you said on the last episode that it was people had heard that the Schumacher cut, like he doesn't suit up as Batman for the first like 15, 15 minutes, minutes of the movie. Yep. That's right. And that's, so that's interesting. I actually kind of like that more. So do I. I, I actually kind of appreciate that too. It, and, it gives time to start building the characters before Batman's even in the, involved in anything. So apparently there was also a deleted scene that has not been released that showcased Chase Meridian as a guest on a talk show where she discussed her analysis of Batman and it would eventually it would what was meant to, you know, showcase was like her expertise and interest in Batman but it for whatever reason that was not cut. That that was not in either this or the theatrical cut. So it's it's apparently in mm. the Schumacher cut. I would have I I'm curious about it because this version of the movie also kind of offers a little bit more from Chase Meridian too. Yeah, one thing I noticed, so like the scene where when he meets when Batman comes in and he meets Gordon and Meridian on the roof. Mm -hmm. One thing I'm glad they cut out the hot entrance. Yes. And that's one thing that I really appreciated in the Red Book edition. It really toned down a lot of the like the quips that she threw out because I really like Nicole Kidman as an actress and I that's one thing that annoyed me in Batman Forever that they just kind of made her this like I mean she's just thirsting for Batman the whole movie. Almost obsessed. Yeah. Almost obsessed. But but in the Red Book edition, she's still thirsty for him. I mean, who wouldn't be? He's Batman. Right. But they, the way that the, the certain little things that they cut, cut out of her dialogue makes it seem more of a, I almost want to say like an emotional obsession. Like she wants to know more about the man behind the mask rather yeah. than I want to jump your bones, like yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I see your point. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I can agree to that because even even the movie still remains largely the same as as far mm -hmm. as certain aspects of it like obviously there's yeah. still that that scene later on where she says my house midnight right like it and yeah she or clearly... the uh what did that one part what did she say like oh do i have to get uh leather and a whip or something like that skin tight vinyl and a whip mm -hmm. yeah yeah that was still there and and they actually cut out the part where he gets in the batmobile after that they cut out when he says women Women, yes, I noticed that too. <laughs> I thought that was an interesting cut. There were some interesting choices made, and even um, in this, when you see Two Face and he's talking to the guard, even mm -hmm. that's dialed back. He doesn't he's say very much. Yes, like like that 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 exchange is different, and I noticed yep. that, and I actually kind of dug that a little bit more too. Yep, it was very uh, it was very quiet at the start, like when he's first, you know, the, he shows the guard laying there. Two Face, you're only seeing the, the the good half, and that he goes into this little dialogue for a little bit, and it's just very like foreboding almost. Like it just kind of gives you this sense of dread, like you know that this is Two Face, and you know that something bad's going to happen, but you're not sure when he's going to do it. They cut out the beer and pizza line. You're right. I forgot about that. They cut out the beer and pizza line. 
and it, yeah. it makes a bit of a difference. It does. It really does, now that I think about it. Now, from what I understand in the Schumacher huh. cut, when Batman does get trapped inside the safe, um, the, 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 the guard, he does not say... Oh, it's boiling acid. That's not present yeah, in the boiling acid. Yeah. <laughs> but but it's it's in here. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. Yep. Like I, I expected, you know, some camp to still be present. Like like this film had a lot of camp in it. Like there there, there was yes. no way if you stripped it down that you 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 really wouldn't have much to work with. Yeah. You know. But there is a, a very stripped down forty five minute version of Batman and Robin that's apparently pretty good. I, I'm actually gonna try and hunt for that. A forty-five minute version. Of a Batman forty-five and Robin? minute version of Batman and Robin that cuts out all the <laughs> crazy nonsense and it plays like a, an extended episode of Batman sixty-six. Huh. Okay, that yeah. sounds actually pretty intriguing. Right. That might actually make that film somewhat tolerable. Well, I mean, if it's only forty-five minutes, like I said, yeah. it's, it's, it's an extended <laughs> episode of of Batman sixty-six. Then again, one could um, argue, one one could argue that these movies are more or less extensions of that. And there were moments like, again, I haven't watched this movie in probably 10, maybe even 15 years. Mm-hmm. There were just certain scenes that that were still in this, in the Red Book edition, that was in the theatrical, that I still really, I love the part where he takes the the guard's hearing aid. Like, hey, I need that. That's my hearing aid. And he just pushes it again. Thanks. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. There's, there's certain moments like that that just, I, I remember so much as a kid and seeing it again i was just like yeah that's fun it's clever yep hey hey that's my hearing aid <laughs> thanks yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the subtlety of when batman just takes something from from any common bystander <laughs> and uses it in a situation and he's just pretty subtle with his intentions it's, it's always it, it it does yeah. make for a good laugh i will say that i, I just love that he used the hearing aid to listen <laughs> to the lock so that he could open the door and get right. the guard out right <laughs> well even that 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 initial confrontation with harvey and the copter is also a little bit different too because once everything's all yeah. said and done and harvey escapes in the cut in the the initial version you know he says something like before he says see ya and this it yeah. just cuts to him saying see ya and he drops yep. down and it just drops out yep I loved the scene again this is just me remembering certain scenes i loved the scene when he thought that they got away. Batman's cape falls on the front of the copter. The guy's like, face, face. He turns and sees the cape, gets mad, and just blows his his goon away, yeah. his own goon. He he puts he puts so much bullets into that dude. You know, honestly, as much as as much as over the top as Tommy Lee Jones is in this movie, I still really there's something about his yes 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 yes, oh happy day when he does that and then he goes farewell to that pointy-eared night rat i just there's just something that i just love about that and i don't care if it's not like a grizzled two-face i don't care if it's like a pissed off two-face that makes that version of two-face likable i don't know what it is but there's just something just fun about him yeah. being giddy at the idea, oh, I finally got him. Because that's that's his thing throughout the whole movie. He wants to kill Batman. Yep, that's all he cares about. That's, that's all he cares about in the entire movie. He has no other motive. That's how Riddler gets him to join his side. He's like, right. I'll help you kill Batman. Now, you could argue that that motive is, you know, oh, well, that's pretty lazy for a Two-Face story. And it's like, well, it, it's not necessarily a solo Two-Face story. It's a Two-Face and Riddler story. 
So yep, exactly. There's that to take into account too. But but you know, is it is it is it a traditional take on Two Face? No. Does that bother me? No. It's, yep, it's 100%. When, when I saw that version of Two-Face and then you see something like Batman the Animated Series or even something like um, The Dark Knight or even mm-hmm. more recently like Gotham Knights. Oh, whoops, spoilers. Uh, yep. Uh, yeah, we might talk about that later. Later, later. <laughs> In another episode, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> maybe our other psyches will take over at some mm-hmm. point. Who knows? Anyway, this version of Two-Face, as over the top as it is, I still like it i still Me find too. things to, mm-hmm. to really appreciate and i still just and, and and to have that that followed up with what you just talked about you know when batman you know shows himself the cape on the front of helicopter and the goon mm-hmm. goes uh face <laughs> yeah. hey face and then two faces groan is just so he's like <laughs> he's so pissed because he's like yeah damn it he i want to kill you if i'm gonna kill you and you're not dead but even even and then just blows the goon away. He, but yeah, he just pat 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 pat. He just doesn't give a shit. <laughs> That's also something I did like about this version of Two Faces. If he doesn't get what he wants, he's just gonna, he's gonna kill you. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't care. And again, the delivery in like Tommy Lee Jones did a really good job. I loved the scenes where like he would jump between the two. He would, and again, is it campy? Yes but it works. He, when he starts talking all professional and subtle as Harvey and then tur- literally turns to the other side and screams as two face that works. Yeah. It was a very interesting way of, of showcasing a very shattered personality because obviously, yeah. you know, also apparently I think Kevin Smith talked about it. The intro that also showed two face escaping from Arkham also did showcase the court you actually see the courthouse scene. You see him get the acid on the face. Like, you don't see it as just, like, a, a CNN recap. A clip. Yeah, it's not a clip on the TV. Yeah, you actually see it happen. And, hmm, okay. on, honestly, g- given the 90s and how, like, bombastic everything was back then, you'd have to imagine that if someone, like, a, a professional district attorney had that happen to them mm-hmm. in Gotham City, of all places, in the 90s, yeah, I, I would imagine that if you were to g- gain a, 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 a split personality, especially in such a vibrant city like Gotham City, then yeah, your your other half just might be absolutely off the wall unhinged. Yep. Why can't you just die? Yeah, still love that too. And was he maybe trying to be like the Joker? That's a that's a debate. That's debatable. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. absolutely debatable. I there, the, I could understand someone's perspective by saying he was just trying to do Jack Nicholson from Batman 89. I can, I can understand where that is coming from, but I can also at the same time distinguish the fact that, no, I think Har- I think Tommy Lee Jones, in his subtle moments as Harvey Dent, is actually really well done. Yep. Because as Craig points out, like, when, for example, like, when, when Riddler enters Harvey's hideout for the first time. The lair. Yeah. The lair, the lair, right? And, 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 and you know, Harvey's subtly telling him like at first like who the hell are you but yeah towards the end of riddler's whole spiel and pitch two-face is like you've broken into our home you've mm-hmm. done this if it's heads we take you up on your offer if tails we blow your damn head off that yep. is great that yep. subtle delivery of line delivery is great from him mm-hmm. in that moment now i also and, think and that- it's funny because watching jim carrey's expressions change as Harvey's talking to him. Yeah. Because one second Jim Carrey's smiling, he's giggling. 
then the more Harvey talks, he starts getting a little worried. Then he gets really worried, and then he flips the coin. <laughs> now, one thing about that scene that I have always liked was when Riddler is going back and forth between talking about the two sides of the lair, and he's like, mm-hmm. "It's so dark and." and and he's just so and so bright and chipper and he does like the 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 whole like looney tunes dance over to the table yeah and he goes you know not many people are summer and winter but and then he likely taps him on the shoulder you pull off quite nicely i think (laughs) if there's one thing that remains largely unchanged about most of this it's jim carrey as the riddler yep and i really i really like jim carrey as the riddler i don't care that he's like goofy and over the top he is so taking inspiration from the Frank, 66 Riddler. He's it's ridiculous. It's Frank Gorshin. It's Frank Gorshin. He literally is it's, Frank it's, Gorshin's Riddler. It's Frank Gorshin Riddler dialed up to like a 12. Sure. Yes. But even still. Yeah, that, that scene. It's so you. And yet so you. <laughs> it's absolutely Frank Gorshin. Like they're doing a, a, a giant homage to Frank Gorshin in that. And even some of the, the attire he wore was very much totally 100 percent. by the time he's wearing the leotards oh the the yeah. one-piece suits yeah that's 100 percent 66 riddler well even the bowler cap yes the frank, bowler cap. frank yep. gorshin had wore a bowler cap in at least one of the episodes from what i remember and it, it, it was nice if you if okay performance aside you cannot sit here and tell me that jim carrey did not look like the riddler from either the comics or the tv show yeah exactly the the aesthetic of this movie was 100 percent on point bat nipples aside mm-hmm. i still think that this film had a very unique look to it and it did give gotham city a very again unique vibrant look to it both in characters and in city itself and i do think that jim carrey brought his his frank gorshin boots to this and you know it it worked for me i don't know that that it works for a lot of other batman fans today but i 100 works still like for it. me yeah and, you know, I do know that there is also, a, there was a scene released, at least within the last three years, um, when you see the, the, when you see Edward Nygma go into his apartment, in the initial cut and in this, there's just a needle drop song. Um, there is a deleted scene, an alternate scene of that with Elliot Goldenthal's score, and it's a lot better. I actually liked it a hmm, lot more. Okay. It's a little bit more creepy. But apparently, also in the Schumacher cut, there is a there's a weird beauty salon scene. So uh, I'm reading this from a Screen Rant article written by I want to give proper credit here, Adrian Tyler. And so um, there is a deleted scene for the in the Schumacher cut that has um, let's see, Batman chasing down the Riddler and Two Face from after their robbery at the casino. But the tracking technology in the Batmobile had been tampered with by the Riddler. Batman ended up in a beauty salon where the customers and staff laugh at him, and hairdresser asks him if he wanted a little off the ears. It's a very brief scene, but it's also silly and easy to see why it was taken out of the final cut. It also remains to be seen if it fits with the rest of the deleted material in the Schumacher cut. Now, whether or not I don't think Kevin Smith talked about this or not, I don't. No, I'm not sure. Oh, but apparently it's on YouTube. Hmm. I think I'm just going to link this article in our show notes. That way, people can look at it for themselves. Yeah. Okay, now the next sequence here, let's see. Is this the one I've seen? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there is a scene that is in the Red Book edition that is also in the Schumacher cut, and it's a, it's a training montage where, where Dick is actually, it's, it's, it's long after, you know, the circus and Dick pa- Dick's parents have died. He's uh-huh. with Bruce. There's a training montage. And this is actually, I, 
I like this scene a lot because it, I do too. I really liked this. This is one scene where you get a heart to heart between Bruce and Dick, and Dick like it, like Bruce initially approaches him and says, "Hey, you know, how are you feeling? You got the 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 Black Knight up and running. Like, you want to go take it for a ride?" And and Dick just kind of throws him off, and he's like, "No, I don't have any interest in being pals with you. Like, I just have one thing on my mind." And and Bruce is like, "You know, if you continue down this path." It's gonna consume you. I don't. I, sh- I really should have taken better notes on that scene because I really do like it a lot. But it's a really nice heart to heart between Dick and Bruce, and it le- it ultimately leads Bruce to Dick saying, "You know, you, you and I aren't alike. There's nothing that you can show me or teach me that is going to help me gain what I want." And then yeah. there's there's a moment where Bruce goes to like the the I don't know. It's like a it's a thing people use to practice their their, their fighting skills. I don't necessarily. Yeah, it's like that. It. It's like the big wooden like almost like it's like a wooden boxing thing almost bruce lee used it to like practice his a lot of people use use them to to practice martial arts and whatnot but bruce just looks at it sees a a a newspaper clipping with two-face over it and so in that moment also in this cut in the red book edition like bruce goes to kick the thing but right before Mm -hmm. he kicks it you actually get a shot of jack napier from batman 89 yep so that would have been I, I like that scene a lot I think that should yeah. have been I'm glad that was inserted here in this cut but to go back to the circus sequence um, after Two-Face takes over the circus and gives his speech and says hell what do you pasty face twits is Batman and everything goes all to chaos in this cut they actually cut out the part where Bruce Wayne yells Harvey I'm Batman I noticed that too I was I, I was expecting it and then it didn't happen I was like hmm Okay, interesting. I actually like it. Me too. Because that was if if there's one thing that always bothered me about that movie, it was that sequence. Yeah, why would he just exactly immediately reveal himself? He would do what he did here by taking that that one little bit out. Yes, he still goes out and he starts like beating up goons and stuff. But that's probably what Bruce would do anyway. Right. He would try to sneak away and try to take the goons out around the circus and make his way to the bomb right absolutely yeah and you know i i if there's one edit i really do like it's that one mm-hmm. now whether or not that's reflective in the schumacher cut i have no idea i don't know if that is or not in there um that would be nice to know also the score is different for when for when the graysons die it's slightly different from what i recall I, yeah i noticed that too it was a little um I don't want to say like it wasn't like gothic, but it was just a little more toned down. I think yeah. it wasn't as like bombastic as it was in the theatrical cut. Hmm. Apparently also in the Schumacher cut, there is a sequence that showcases the construction of Nigma tech on the claw Island, which the funds that were coming from um, the robberies that Nigma and two face committed um, whether or not the reason why it was cut is yet to be revealed, but um, it's apparently in the Schumacher cut. Hmm. I mean, it does. It would make sense to have that in there because it, it does suddenly just like he suddenly has this like giant yeah. <laughs> tower in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, it it was very jarring to see like him just automatically have a whole facility all built to himself. So yeah, that would have been another. That would have been nice. It would have been nice to see mm-hmm. him at the least, right? Um, yep. 
So there is a scene that is in the Red Book edition, and it is also in the Schumacher cut, and it is a brief deleted scene where uh, after Bruce... At, I believe it's after the... Um, the meeting it's after the the giant gala that 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 enigma has and it's after um i don't know is it before that it might be before that which scene uh the scene the scene where where the 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 gotham news anchor is like kind of lambasting batman a little bit and uh, calls for his retirement i think that's after is that oh oh, you know what yeah because i think it's after dick saves him because it's after that conversation yep yeah okay yeah yeah, okay okay so after after batman stops two-face from you know destroying the gala and whatnot um there is a sequence in the Batcave after he's kind of chewing dick out and he's seeing a new a recap of the side effects of batman and this news anchor basically calling for the retirement of bruce wayne that's not present in the theatrical cut but it's also in the schumacher cut i thought of this sequence and i was like you know this is this is interesting because it's something that's not necessarily touched upon too much is that batman brings about these gen- mm-hmm. these degenerates in gotham city and he's the reason why more or less that the, the, the crime happens it, you know it's it's shining a light on, on batman's actions or rather batman's presence and how the that in turn causes a reaction from these psychopathic criminals yeah it's it's a constant thing that Many people have brought up all, all these years with Batman, but no film at the time had ever paid attention to it or ever tried to deal with it, is that these people are drawn to Batman. They Some of them see him as a challenge. Some of them are consequences of actions that he took. There's, there's no getting around it that, like, if Batman's in Gotham City, Gotham City's going to have to deal with these psychopaths. Right, right. And so him calling us for retirement even kind of leads into a later point in the movie mm-hmm. where he does in fact decide to retire yep which i always felt was a choice for batman forever to have him hang up the cape and cowl mm-hmm. as robin enters the picture well and with these additional like having that scene and the fact that this version has more scenes in it where bruce is really dealing with the guilt that he feels over his parents' death. Mm-hmm. And the more he the more scenes you see where it's him really struggling. This is a very like this is a very dark Bruce Wayne. This is a Bruce Wayne who is very constantly in his own head. I mean that scene where he talks to Chase and tells her that he keeps having these nightmares, but now it's getting worse to the point where he's now seeing these nightmares when he's awake. Mm-hmm. This is a very emotionally torn man. So I actually really liked the addition of that scene with the, the news guy telling him basically to hang up the cape because it, like you said, it does play into his decision later on. And having these extra scenes in there, I think really worked for that. Okay. I think that scene actually doesn't come after the gallop bang from Two-Face. I think it actually comes after Dick takes the Batmobile. Uh, that might be right. Because when Dick takes the Batmobile, not only is there an extended sequence between Bruce and Chase when they talk and meet, um, when he's interrupted by Alfred, Alfred tells him he's taking the car, no, sir, the other car. Um, that whole sequence of Dick taking the car is trimmed down. There's no Batboy joke. Yep. There's no Batboy joke. There's no, no cheesy <laughs> that kiss. Scene where, 
Yeah, the kiss where it lights up as he kisses her and all yeah. that. Yeah, I was glad that was cut. Yeah. That part always bugged me. I got so annoyed with that scene. <laughs> yeah, and so I think Batman, like, they all, like, look and see Batman and, and scatter in the initial cut. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, that is present. Yeah, yeah they all scatter. No, None of them even try to fight him. The yeah. second they see Batman, all those uh, those gang members or whatever they were take off. Yeah. Yeah, I did like that the Bat Boy joke was cut because I thought, yes, even back then I was like, that's. I used to laugh at it, and then as I got older, yeah. I was like, that's not very funny. So now, well, seeing... and it's like, why? Why would he stop the car to open it and like, I don't know. I it, it, it was just a very weird scene. Very true. It was. It was a very in- interesting sequence that they decided to keep for whatever reason. But you know, it did showcase the Batmobile having the the instead of the single back fin it, it could turn into two so there was mm-hmm. that so i don't know i thought that was an interesting edit but i also do think it makes it better um yes i agree now one thing i did notice the second time around um when riddler and two-face invade wayne manor after they figure out who bruce wayne that bruce wayne is batman um mm-hmm. when the riddler is destroying the bat cave it took out certain parts. Yes, it did. And yep. one big one was the baseball. The, ba- the, the baseball. baseball one. Yep. That one was taken out. Yep. But everything else from him is still intact. Yep. But this also leads into one of the bigger additions that is both present in the Schumacher cut and this, and that is the scene with the giant bat. And this is arguably probably the one I think that's been talked about the most when it comes to yeah, for sure. the Schumacher cut. Now, I actually really, really like this scene. Me too. Because, number one, like, he wakes up and he's like, Alfred, I have no idea who I am. Like, Uh yes, I'm Bruce Wayne, but what's Batman? Like, what's this? I I don't know what Batman is. The only thing I feel is fear. And that exchange of Alfred telling him, sir, whatever you're – you made a choice to retire as Batman, but you also made a choice – to retire as Batman, to run from your problems instead of face them, and if you want, yep. if you if you're gonna have to face them, you need to go face them. And he shows him, takes him down to the cave, to the spot in the cave that hasn't been you know touched on or explored in years. And Bruce goes in it, and he goes into the cave, and he finds his father's journal, diary. He finds his father's diary. That's the whole point of why this film is called the Red Book Edition because of this sequence mm-hmm. specifically. So Bruce finds his father's diary. And he starts reading it. It goes to the last page. And there's, I don't quite remember what the exact wording was, but basically his father says, Bruce's cartoon's going to have to wait. We're going to have to see this. And then there's intercut again. We're getting, we get intercut footage from Batman 89 to the death of the Waynes. And it's also in, it's also in red. Red. It's, it's through a red filter too. So that, and then you get Bruce saying, it was my fault. It was Mm -hmm. my fault. My parents died. It was my fault. And then he's met with the giant bat. Yep. And this was a very interesting sequence for me because, number one, I had never, I hadn't seen it. I think I, if I had seen it, I saw it so many years ago when I had first started scouring the internet every day as a teenager, and I just come across it on YouTube one day, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. But seeing it in full context of a movie, yeah. Oh man, mm-hmm. it's intense. Like that giant bat, the way Val Kilmer brings his hands up, the way the score swells. Oh and see, shit, and that's, man! That's what I think really made the scene too. Is like when the giant bat first appears, 
Kilmer is shook. Like he's very scared. Like he's yeah. confused. He's frightened. Then as the camera, you know, does a close up of the bat face looking at him and you slowly start to see his demeanor change. Mm-hmm. And then as the camera pans around the two of them, you know, the bat's got its wings pulled out and he lifts his arms out and curves them similar to the bat's wings. And I just, I don't know, there was something about that, how he just kind of put his arms out like that, that really, and then again, like you said, the score is just rising as the scene plays out. I don't think I have anything bad to say about it. I wish this would have been no. in the movie, honestly. Yeah. This is really does the bat humorous. does the bat look a little goofy just in the front? Yeah, maybe a little bit, but I mean it's it's a giant bat. What are you gonna do? I tell you this: if they would have tried to do man bat, I would have been okay with it. Me too. Yeah, especially after looking at this thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd yep. buy it. Yeah, I'd absolutely buy it. Yep. Now, from what I understand, the score here is different from the score on the Schumacher cut because I think Kevin Smith said. During this sequence, they used score, temp score from Batman 89. Now in here, yes, the score yeah. we heard was slightly different, so I wonder if it was Goldenthal's score. Mm-hmm. Oh. Hmm. Maybe. I'm not entirely sure about that. Now, oh, you know what? One scene that we didn't touch on there for uh, before this scene... Uh, that was still in the Red Book edition, but apparently is not in the Schumacher cut, is the acrobatic laundry. <laughs> yes. So karate laundry is in this. Karate laundry, yeah. I was, I gotta be honest, I was a little disappointed when I saw that it was still in the Red Book edition. I was like, man, of all the scenes you could have cut out, you kept this one in. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, I, it, I can't, it's I, such I can't a really disagree. pointless scene. Yeah. Yeah, Karate Laundry's present here. It's not present in the Schumacher cut. But um, there is something present here that I would I wonder if is present in the Schumacher cut. But then there is also the way this movie ends as opposed to how the Schumacher cut ends. Now, this movie ends on a deleted scene of Chase Meridian being mm-hmm. driven driven home by Alfred. And she said, she asked him, does it ever end? And I think Alfred says something effective, not in this lifetime or something to the effect. Now, and then the credits roll. Right. Now, the Schumacher cut. The Schumacher cut ends with Batman on a gargoyle looking at the bat signal and Robin comes to join him overlooking the city and then running towards the bat. And then after that, it cuts oh, to them. Oh, yes, please. Yeah, it cuts. then it cuts to them running from the bat signal. Yeah, 1,000% yes. Right? Yeah. Annie Muschietti, if you are paying attention, if you are yeah. listening, please give me a shot of Batman and Robin on a gargoyle. I need that. Yeah. I absolutely need that. So yeah, the, the, actually, it's funny because the the chase being driven home scene, we got that, but then it extends into Batman and Robin standing on the gargoyle. So mm. we, we we didn't unfortunately get that. But yeah, it did seem a little. I was kind of caught off guard, like when I was watching the Red Book edition. Like she asks him, "Does it ever end?" And he says, "Not in this lifetime." And like it immediately like, cut to the credits. Oh, I was I'm like, sorry. "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Stand, what just happened?" I stand corrected. So the scene just en- the movie just ends with them standing on the gargoyle, looking over the city. They don't actually run from the bat that signal. That's I mean that e- even better for me. That's even better in my opinion. Yeah, just having them look at Gotham on a gargoyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. I wish that was in the movie. Yeah. I I am. I wish I could go, could have gone to 
to New Jersey. I would have loved to have yeah. seen the Schumacher cut of Batman Forever. Because holy damn. I mean, like, like we said, though, I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe something will come out of it. Maybe they'll somehow find a way to release it. Mm, I hope so. I think it might take a bit of a ch- another change in leadership, maybe. I don't know. Actually, yeah. honestly, since this would even predate DC Studios... I wonder if a release like this would fall under the the purview of of Mike DeLuca and Pam Abdi. I mean, yeah. You'd have to think, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I I don't know. I don't I don't I don't I'm not quite sure what the the logistics behind all of that would be. I don't necessarily know if that would be something James Gunn would have to okay, or if that was something they would have to okay. Because again, it, it predates DC Studios, so I don't know. It would be nice. It would be really nice to see this. It would be nice to see the air cut. I would like to see that, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um I want I kind of want to see that that 45 minute version of Batman Forever or sorry Batman and Robin. That really when you said that, that really intrigues me. Yeah, if because I... how much do you have to cut out what's left in there if you're cutting out that much that it's only 45 minutes long? Right. <laughs> right. I don't know. Well, you know, they cut if the Schumacher cuts 170 minutes and they trimmed mm-hmm. it down to two. What is it? Two oh five. Uh, yeah, two minutes or two hours, five minutes. Yep. Yeah. So let's see, one seventy. That's it's. It's almost a two and a half hour movie. Mm-hmm. A little over two and a half hour movie. So, I don't know. I know I would love to see this this extended Schumacher cut of Batman Forever. I do think the Red Book edition is a, is a nice addition. Yeah. To to this you know realm of Batman's mythology. Um, do you have a favorite scene that was inserted that wasn't present before the Red Book edition? Like, what's your what's your favorite edition from the Red Book edition? I guess was, is what I'm asking. Uh, it's got to be the um, Bruce confronting his guilt. I mean, how can you top that? Okay, we're on the same page. I mean, yeah. Uh, I mean, I really liked pretty much everything they added. The opening, I love the opening. Yeah, I I like how it just jumps right into this just very dark and foreboding world. Um, you know, Burton, uh, Dr. Burton walking down the halls of Arkham, which at that point, think about it, Batman and Batman Returns, we never saw Arkham Asylum. This was our first time being inside Arkham Asylum. It's very true. So I really liked that. But I mean, I mean, come on, man. That scene is just so, so good. It just, like you said, the score rising as he's confronting the bat. I just, I really liked the things that they added in this to further that storyline of Bruce being very emotionally torn. And I think that's why I like Batman forever so much. Again, this is a Bruce Wayne who is just, he's very conflicted. Like he almost throughout the entire movie, you almost get the sense that like, he doesn't want to be Batman anymore. He's just, he's so torn on everything. I think this movie, you know, if you take away, well, not necessarily take away, but if you look past, you know, the camp, you look past the mm-hmm. over-the-top performances from Jim Carrey and, and Two-Face, if you look at the, the what, what they're trying to do with Bruce Wayne in this movie specifically and showcase just how his, his trauma of his parents has affected him, when yep. has that ever been... Uh, when has that ever been present in, in, a, in, a, in a Batman movie, right? Like, outside of yep. the Batman. Like, how... Yep. Yeah, it, it, it's... It wasn't prevalent in the in the first two Burton films, right? Like, I mean, okay. No. It was in the first film, not so much the second film. But this film goes back to it 
in, mm-hmm. in, in a different way. And I think that the way it was utilized was super powerful. I think Val Kilmer really did a lot more with the Bruce Wayne character that I think Michael Keaton could have, but I don't necessarily think mm-hmm. that's, you know, a fault to either or. I think I just think no, that, not that, at all. that the way that, that Kilmer was written as Batman and Bruce Wayne in this, it might just might have been stronger for me personally. No, yeah. I mean, you just said it just right. Kilmer would not work as Batman in Batman and then Batman 89 and Batman Returns. Mm-hmm. Keaton would not have worked in Batman Forever. It's yeah, just the way so. that it was just the way they acted, the the roles that they had to take in for those characters, those interpretations of the characters, and it works for each one. I agree. And, you know, him only just getting the one shot at Batman and then him also just kind of stepping away after this film, it was yeah. bittersweet, but even still, I'm I'm glad that there is a, a one-and-done Batman. Yep. And I'm glad that it was Val Kilmer because I think, you know, if there if there is a, a one-and-done performance that you can look to, to, to for some kind of inspiration, I think his would probably be it. Like, he did a really solid job with what he was yeah. in as Batman. And, I mean, hearkening back to one of our early early episodes of this podcast the movie also gave us one of the best batman suits the sonar suit this is true this is very true that sonar sonar suit is so i hadn't seen again hadn't seen this movie in about 15 years that sonar suit is so damn badass oh we also didn't touch on the fact that this this version of the film it's color graded completely differently yes yes that is true i did notice that as like i was watching the film i was like this this looks different like over the whole course of the film honestly it almost looks almost to be in line with the other two burton films Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. because the first batman film had like this this blue and gray and black hue to it the second film definitely used a lot more white and black yes and then this film goes with well okay batman forever has a superbly bright green aesthetic to it but this has yeah. like a bit more of a, a grainy, almost yep. muted red. Yep. And there faded are, there, look to there it. There is a lot. There's a lot of red hues there. Yeah. Well, again, this is also a fan edit called the Red Book Edition, so there yeah. is that. I did like that the when it does show the the opening title of Batman Forever, it's actually in red and not green. Yep, me too. I, I love that. I did like that. I also did like. Um, the fact that they, that every every cut of the of the well they only showed one suit up scene they showed the suit up scene but they took out the ass cheeks <laughs> yeah i noticed that i love too. that i love <laughs> you can those have the bat, you, you can have the bat nipples you can't have the bat the badass well even then i was it, 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 watching this movie you don't even really see the nipples that much no you don't no because of the way the film is is color graded at least this version yep. you hardly see them half the time yep so yeah. you're not even hyper focused yep. on them, whereas yep. in the the actual the, the actual cut of Batman Forever, you know, oh, it's, they, they, it's such an eyesore. <laughs> oh, it's, it's so much more clear and vibrant. You can see everything, yeah. but you by everything you you see the the bat nipples. No, yeah. I, I I liked I liked the the way that this film was color graded because it felt different. It felt it felt more in line with what they were trying to achieve with Batman before Warner Brothers mandated Happy Meal toys mm-hmm. be, be a selling point. Yeah. I and I really want to see the Schumacher cut. I hope it gets released. Yeah. And there were even there were things that I noticed and it was stuff that was still in the theatrical cut, but it was just stuff again, haven't seen this movie in a long time that I appreciated. Like the fact that I never 
and again, I saw this movie when I was 10. So, yeah. I mean, and I watched it a bunch on VHS. I never noticed that, like, once um, Nigma starts gaining, once him and Two-Face team up and he starts building his empire, essentially, over the box, I never noticed that he styled his hair to match Bruce Wayne. Yep. And then the scene when they're at the gala, I never noticed that he wore the same tux as Bruce. He wore the same and tux, had the same hairstyle, and even went as far as to get the same mole the as glasses. Yep, and the yeah, glasses. Yeah, the mole. And the, the glasses scene killed me. I laughed so hard last night when I was watching the Red Book Edition. Because <laughs> I just, again, I didn't pay attention to it as a kid. But now as an adult, you know, he starts, t Bruce starts talking. <laughs> Uh, Nigma pulls out glasses so that he can match him. Then when Bruce takes off his glasses, Nigma takes off his glasses. It's just he's he's mimicking him intentionally, it's and it's so, hilarious. It's so great. I loved it so much. But I also think he he baited him pretty well because he completely sidestepped all of Bruce's questions and said, "Oh, you're just too yep. good to try my machinery. It's okay." Yep. Yep. He did. He did. He did. He did that well. Now, would you recommend? The Red Book Edition over the theatrical cut to any any or any of your friends or family or anyone else interested in this movie. Hundred percent. Okay. Okay. Yep. I would definitely. I mean, I think there are. If you want a more goofy and more tongue in cheek and over the top film, then watch you know the theatrical cut. Yep. But if you want those darker moments, if you want that more, again, just the emotional stuff really got me with this one. I, I really like the integration of those deleted scenes, hmm. and I really think it makes this film stand out more. I agree. I think if I had a choice to recommend this, if you know, if it was a readily available edition to other yeah. people, then yeah, I would. But obviously, it'd be, it would. It would. I think now I have a, a different version of Batman Forever. I might throw on every year now, and it's probably going to be this one. Me too. Well, I'm. I'm still thinking about that 45 minute Batman and Robin cut. <laughs> like, I'll try and find it and I'll see what happens but yeah how many ice puns do they have to take out I think some of that is probably still in there I don't, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think you entirely take all of that out don't take they better not take out the ice age joke because that's the best one of the whole lot that is the best way well that's the first one and then everything else it, goes exactly. down, downhill from there exactly he got the best one out first yeah yeah the ice age <laughs> Don't you dare make me sit through that fucking movie again. <laughs> I'm, I'm leaving that F-bomb in there because... Well, I'm going to leave that F-bomb in there because people might listen to our next episode. And, well, they're Yeah, because the uh, next one might have a few more. <laughs> it just might. I don't know. It just might. It just might. It kind of depends. But I think that is where we're going to put... Put, put our cape and cowl up for the evening. <laughs> Hopefully when we lock up, some degenerates don't find their way in here and start wreaking havoc and record some crazy evil things or just you know go on some evil rants i don't know i i, I don't know mm -hmm. Greg. just be sure be sure to be sure to set the code we make yeah, sure we, we don't get an intruder alert yeah <laughs> because uh neil say the venom might be flowing soon oh i wonder i don't know is bane gonna show up <laughs> okay Bomb. you know bomb <laughs> no everybody thank you again for listening to the eternal night as you all know if you all again want to follow us on uh for the time being 
Twitter, <laughs> uh, T-E-K underscore podcast. That's also on Instagram as well as Facebook. Uh, you can follow moi on, again, for, I don't know for how much longer, but just mm. unfiltered <laughs> Twitter, Vero, Instagram. You can also follow my friend Craig here on Vero now. Yep. Craigie Omega. That's right. That's right. That's right. But take it easy, everybody. Stay safe. Have a good night or night or day. Enjoy your 4th of July weekend. And remember, bat nipples. <laughs> Keep it classy in the cave, everybody. Have a good night. I remember my life as Bruce Wayne with all this. This is the life of a stranger. You were shot in the head, sir. There's something else. Alfred, I feel afraid. Master Bruce, son, you gave up being Batman to save Dick Grayson. But perhaps you also gave him up because you never faced why you became him in the first place. What's in there? I remember something chasing me. My nightmare. Your nightmares are there. And until you face them, I fear you will spend your life fleeing them. Thank you for listening to the Eternal Night Podcast. This podcast is not affiliated with Warner Brothers Discovery, DC Entertainment, or anything else related to WBD. Uh, All thoughts shared belong to those involved and not the companies they happen to work for or be talking about. If you would like to follow along the show, you can follow along on Podbean or iTunes. Feel free to drop us an email at eternalnightpod at gmail.com. You can also follow us along on Twitter and Facebook. Just search for T-E-K underscore podcast. Thank you.